Father, we thank you for this evening as we come before your word. We pray that tonight's Bible study will be impactful, will be life-transforming. Above all, may we have a hunger to chase after you, to develop a strong and a lasting and a fulfilling relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So chapter 4 is the mark of successful people of God. And what is the mark of successful people of God? Is to pursue God. Amen. So we are on chapter 4 of our book now. But before we do the book, let me go to Genesis chapter 39. It's not in the book. So we are using our resource material for this month on the pursuit of Christ by our presiding bishop. I will advise you to get the book. It's available on Kindle. Amen. Amazon, I'm sorry. Amazon Kindle. Amen. Excuse me. Let me even start from verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Amen. So, we see what spelled out success for Joseph, according to Genesis chapter 39, verse 1 to 2. Now, Joseph was a slave, but he was deemed successful. And why was he deemed successful? He was deemed successful because the Lord was with him. So sometimes our modern day terminology of success might not fit into uh, the picture of who Joseph really was. Bible lets us know he was successful. Why was he successful? Because the Lord was with him. I just want to use this scripture as a premise today for what we will be discussing tonight from our book. That when we are talking about real success, real success is not in material things or the acquisition of things. Real success comes from developing a relationship with God. The Lord was with Joseph. The success, yeah, I don't know whether Joseph even had money. Joseph was a slave. And when you look at this word success here, it means uh, to advance, to succeed, to make progress. So I, I believe that Joseph in one way or form, was making advanced strides, was making progress in whatever he was doing. And that was success. And it was success in a sense that the Lord was with him. Amen. So when we are talking about the mark of successful people, according to the author's heart, it has to do with people who pursue a relationship with God, who have the heart to pursue God. That, in its term, 
is what is called success. Amen. So uh, we are just going to consider a few examples of people who were successful in that regard. So let's look at our first example. Amen. In Enoch. Genesis chapter 6, verse 24. Now we are going to the book. Genesis chapter 6, verse 24. Excuse me. So we are looking at Old Testament examples of those who pursued God. Genesis 6, verse 24. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God took him. Amen. Now let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Before his translation, he had this testimony that pleased God. So, from this scripture, from the two scriptures we've read, we could see that Enoch walked with God. And the Bible lets us know that he didn't even see death. That is relative. There is a particular reason why he didn't see death. Now, it doesn't mean that if you're a Christian and if you see death, it doesn't mean you didn't walk with God. That's not the point. Amen. But there was a reason why, because if you really uh, read the Bible carefully, it, was, it wouldn't be long that God was going to destroy the earth with rain and with rain for 40 days and 40 nights. So God, in one way or another, had to preserve his own. And I'm very sure that the distance between Noah and Enoch probably played a huge factor. I'm very sure. Because I'm, I really want to believe that if Noah and Enoch were within a certain region of proximity, I'm sure Enoch would have been in the ark. But probably I'm sure at that time it, it, that, that distance would have really played a factor. And what other way to preserve the righteous than to take him away? And then, if you read carefully in chapter 7, he now commissioned Noah to build the ark and everything. So I really believe that played a factor. So I believe that the reason why Noah did not see, I'm sorry, Enoch did not see death was a very peculiar situation. It's a peculiar situation. Now, when you are a Christian and when you are serving God, now in today, God is not really destroying the earth anymore because he made a covenant with, with Noah after the, 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 the waters had receded after 40 days of flood that he would never again destroy the earth with rain. So this is different in our dispensation now. So when a believer serves God now, it's very likely two things might happen. Either he will see the coming of the Lord face to face or he will die. But what I want to say is that when a Christian dies, it doesn't mean God is not with him. So this Enoch's example is a very separated incident 
and it's very different. Do we all understand? But the key thing that we have to get from this story is that in the midst of wickedness, because during Enoch's time, there was an abundance of evil. The Bible says that the world was so evil that God at a point repented for even creating man because of the abundance of wickedness. And it is in the midst of this that Enoch decided to pursue God. That's why it was faith. It was faith because it went against the culture. It went against the custom. It went against the order of the day. Because the order of the day, everybody at that time was wired to be wicked. Everybody was wired to go a certain way. So everybody is going, let's say, north. And then Enoch decided out of his volition to go south. Everybody is going right. And Enoch, out of his volition, decided to go left. That takes some faith to stand out. Today, one of the biggest pressures is standing out. No, nobody wants to feel alone. Nobody wants to feel unique. Nobody wants to feel like the peculiar one. We all want to sort of blend in. Enoch didn't blend in. That's why it's great faith. It's faith. So he worked with God. He did not see God physically, yet he pursued God. He had a strong passion for working with God. And that is what the Lord expects from us. And we are talking about the mark of successful people. It's not in the abundance of things we possess. It is in pursuing a lively relationship with God. And like we have said in previous um, episodes or, or previous installments, you will not be able to build a strong relationship with Christ if you are not going to pray, study the Bible, worship, and then meditation. These are the best ways by which we will be able to med to build a relationship with God. And Enoch was translated by faith out of this wicked world. So thanks be to God that he wasn't part of the people that were victims of the flood. Amen. So that's a, pa a passionate pursuit. And what you can also learn from this story is that one day the Lord is coming for those who will find him. That's one thing you can get from this story. So Enoch's passionate pursuit with God teaches us a lesson about the destination or the destiny of the righteous. That one day God will come back for his own. When we are able to come to a place where we set our hearts to seek him, the Bible lets us know that one day we will also escape death. And the death that we will escape will be the everlasting death or the death that will separate us from God the Father. We will escape that just like Enoch escaped that. Amen. So it also has some spiritual implications. Amen. Now, when you read Jude 1, verse 14, the Bible says something, that Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. So when you read Jude, Jude lets us know 
that Enoch also preached to the people, to the masters of evil, you know, about the coming of the Lord. So perhaps that was what gave him faith. Perhaps that was what gave him the motivation to keep on pursuing God. And what I even find interesting was that how did Enoch even know that the coming of the Lord? Because at that time there was no Bible. How was he able to know the coming of the Lord? How did he even have that knowledge of God? Amen. So these are my personal questions I even ask. But Enoch at that time, he had such strong conviction about the coming of the Lord that it ordered how he lived his rights. Amen. So that was Enoch. So Enoch was a successful guy. And why was he successful? He was successful because the Lord was with him. Amen. So every anybody who we would deem a success story, we have to deem him in that fashion of Joseph. Joseph was successful. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And tonight, you and I can deem ourselves successful not because of our huge bank balance or acquisition of material properties, but because we have come to a place where we can truly say the Lord is with us. That is what is called success in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. I hope you understand me tonight. Let's look at the second example. Noah. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Second Peter chapter two verse five. So now we are also going to turn our attention to someone who was in Enoch's era, and that was Noah. And Second Peter chapter two verse five lets us know. In fact, when you want to understand Noah's story, just read from the ending of chapter six right into chapters 10 to 11, thereabouts. That's nowhere's story. But I read here, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Amen. Now, there is something that I also want you to notice here about people who pursue Christ. People who pursue Christ also talk about Christ and encourage others to go after Christ. Look at the label that was designated to Noah. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. So Noah was a preacher of righteousness because he pursued Christ. He encouraged and told others to come after him. Noah was found righteous in his generation. He obeyed the Lord, believed in the Lord, and built an ark to save his family and the whole world, basically. And the Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness. Amen. 
Now, if you look at Genesis chapter 7, you will see Noah receiving great detailed instructions on what to do, how to build the ark, and everything. Amen. So, I'm sorry. You have to read the beginning of Genesis chapter 6, not the ending of chapter 6. The beginning of chapter 6. Amen. That's where God begins to detail. That, that's where we hear about Noah. And then when you read chapter 7, I believe, that was when Noah now knew the specifications of how to build the ark, and now he begins to put that into motion. Amen. So just to bring the story alive, let's just go to Genesis. Genesis. So we read chapter 5, we talked about Enoch's ascent to the Lord. He never tasted death as a result of righteousness. And like I said, I believe that God had to take Enoch away because of the sin of this world. That was God's way of also preserving his own. Amen. Now look at, in, now look at Noah. Noah was rather left here on this earth to preserve the species of this earth. Someone had to be here to preserve the species of this earth. And that fell on Noah. And look at what God told Noah. Let's start from verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. These were the giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men that they bore children to them. So this 120 years is talking about the period of judgment, the, the period that God has for the earth. In the space of 120 years, the earth is going to be destroyed. And the Lord is saying that my spirit will not strive. My spirit is no longer going to convict people, will we'll, we'll, we'll sit on the convictions of people of their sin because man is very wicked and man will just do what they want to do. You know? So based on that, the Bible says that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And look at verse 6 of Genesis 6. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. This was the Lord. He was very grieved in his heart that he even made man, because man was full of evil continually. 
So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the earth. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So when you read verse 13 of chapter 6, God now speaks to Noah. The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside of the pitch. So now, if you read Genesis chapter 6 from verses 13 to 21, God now begins to give Noah detailed instructions on what he was supposed to make. And then it was God's intent that invite people. Invite people. But nobody will come. Nobody will come. The The Lord said, I am bringing flood waters on the earth to destroy everything. And God wanted Noah to bring people. But nobody will come. Nobody will heed to the instruction of the Lord. Amen. So that was Noah. He he did not only live his convictions, he preached it, and he was described as the preacher of righteousness. It took Noah a very long time to finish building what he built. A long time. It even seemed like the rains were not going to come. 120 years, that is a long period. That's a long period. Amen. But even if you even do the calculation very well, it doesn't even amount to 120 very well. I'll leave that alone. I won't even touch that. But what I want to say is that it took a very long period for Noah to finish building the ark, and he still built it. And in building it, he was called a preacher of righteousness. Why was he called a preacher of righteousness? Because I believe that he was warning people. He was warning people, telling people of the impending judgment of the Lord, which nobody gave heed to. Amen. And as Jesus even attested when he was on this earth, as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Amen. So... I believe that when we pursue God, have a heart, seek after God, we will all become preachers of righteousness where we will encourage others to also go after Christ. You you can't just pursue God and it will just remain within your bosom. You have to share it. It's one mark of people that pursue Christ. And we see that in the life of Noah. Amen. Now let's look at our third one, Abraham. Abraham. What about Abraham? He left his country, his kindred, went to a foreign country, all because he heard about God. Abraham's um, conversion is quite strange. Abraham is used to moon worship. That's what he's familiar with. In those days, the God that your fathers worshipped, that's what he also worshipped. So Abraham, by lineage, had to practice the worship 
of his fathers, and they worship the moon. That's where you get all these astrology and those things from. Amen. So sometimes I don't know why people like to read into these things. You know, I, one of the things I see people so interested nowadays are what is your star sign? You know, and you even see sometimes believers who are so interested in these things. I'm, I'm a Sag, I'm a Scorpio and all those things. Well, to inform you, that was Abraham's religion. He was a moon worshiper. And if God saw that moon worship was good, he wouldn't have called Abraham out of it. Are you listening to me? So moon worship, be very careful. If you want to know your destiny, please, God has given us 66 books, canonized, which is known as the Holy Bible. That is where you know where your destiny is. You can't just follow some sort of sorcery or mystical knowledge where you will get your destiny. And you see people who are very ardent followers of this. There are people who read this to believe that my star, if I follow this, this is what will happen to me. Yeah, all, all that sort of thing. Amen. And that is sad. But Abraham, who was a moon worshiper, the Lord called him. And not knowing this familiar God, he decided to follow him and pursue a relationship with him. So look at Genesis chapter 18, verse 17 to 18. Excuse me. Genesis chapter 18, verse 17 to 18. So after Abraham had obeyed the call to follow God, in chapter 18, Abraham and God were in a dialogue here. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and all nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? So one of the things that we see here is that when you pursue a relationship with God, God doesn't hide things from you. God, God asked a question. He said, shall I hide what I'm about to do from Abraham? And what was God about to do? God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sodom and Gomorrah was where Abraham's nephew lived. Abraham's nephew was called Lot. Amen. So just look at the relationship. He pursued God. Now, my question is, will God do the same thing about you? It takes a certain level of relationship, certain level of closeness. Foster that relationship with God. Amen. So now, look at how Abraham now responded to God. That's why when you read Genesis chapter 18, I, I say it's a dialogue because now you also see 
Abraham began to chip in his two cents here. Look at it. Verse 22. And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Verse 23 of chapter 18. And Abraham drew near and said, Would thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? So now Abraham is also putting to God a question. Okay, I hear what you want to do. So in between verses 19 to 21, God makes his intent known to Abraham that I will destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And why? Because of their wickedness and their disobedience to me. So now, in response to that, Abraham is saying, Lord, will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? And then Abraham now talks, per adventure, if there are 50 righteous within the city, will you also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that there are in? That be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous of the wicked, and that the righteous should be as wicked that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Amen. Now, the, the funny thing is that God knew all this. All right? He knew, he knew all this. It's, you know, it's a man with finite knowledge trying to talk to God with infinite knowledge. And God permits it. God permits it. Of course, God knew what he was going to do. God is that wise. God is that smart. He, he is not just taking the counsel of Abraham. It's God. He knew what he was going to do. Before the foundation of the earth, God knew that he was going to save Lot. Before the foundation of the world, as before he created the heavens and the earth, God in his infinite wisdom knew what he was going to do. It was Abraham that he didn't know. But what I want to say is that God permits dialogue because of relationship. And may I even say this? When I even read this scripture, I'm like, truly, man is not on any level with God to even have dialogue with God. Not on any level. Man is not on any level because man is not as divine as God. Man is not on any level with God because man is not as supreme as God. Man is not on any level with God because man is not as powerful and all-knowing as God. See, we are not on any level with God, yet God deems it appropriate to have this relationship with us. That Abraham, who has finite knowledge, can even talk to God about what God already knows he is going to do. God permits it because of relationship. That, that, that makes you see how God wants a relationship with man. That makes you see how God also thinks of man. And God, if he would have hidden these secrets from Abraham, it wouldn't have done anything to him. God, I believe, just wanted Abraham to know because God was showing us a principle of when you pursue me with your heart, 
I will honor you by making my plans known to you. That's it. So God wants a relationship. He desires relationship with man. To the point that man, God will even allow for man who doesn't have the same knowledge as God to be able to have dialogue with him. It's just amazing. And that is why David in Psalm 8 was able to say, why are you mindful of man? Why? Formed him in this image. Want to have relationship with him. Why are you mindful of man? Why do you love man? Why are you so engrossed with man? Why do you, why the big deal about man? Because man is not on your level. Man is not on your level in knowledge. Man is not on your, on your level in power. Man is not on your, on your level in divinity. Man is not on your level in any area. Any area. We are, not, we are not on God's level. But why are you so mindful of man that you want to have relationship with? Why not the angels? But why are you so mindful of man? Dave, that was David's question. Because I think David, you know, David was a man of the word. As he begins to meditate on the commandments of the Lord, it's just a mystery. It's, it just blows him away. Why is God so mindful of man? Why will God want to share his plans with man? Why will God want to share his ways with man? There's a principle here. When you seek hard after God, when you pursue God with your heart, God will then begin out of his love, make his manifold plans to you. I mean, I said this, although none of us deserve to know the manifold plans of God, he will make it known to us. Amen. And you see God and Abraham having a dialogue here. <laughs> and man can't cancel God, but God permits because of a relationship. It's not Abraham's counsel that made God spare lots. God in his infinite wisdom, God in his sovereignty would have spared lots. He is God by himself. Amen. But just look at the relationship and the dialogue here. The relationship and the dialogue here is beautiful and the dialogue is permitted because Abraham sought hard after God. And reading this scripture, it should give us that motivation that we should seek hard after God. Amen. Seek him. The Bible says, seek the Lord whilst he may be found. Seek him. Because a time will come, he will not be found. Especially when the church is raptured away and the great tribulation sets in. You seek him, he will be hard to find. Amen. All right. So now let's look at Moses.
Moses had a unique relationship with God. He really worked with God. God showed the children of Israel his works, but to Moses, he showed them his ways. The ways of God are more difficult to find than his works. You will have to work closely with God to see his ways. Amen. The works are what God does. The ways are why God does what he did. That, that, that determines, that, that depends on the level of closeness you have with God. And that was Moses. He said, the children of Israel, they were just used to the Lord dividing the Red Sea, the Lord feeding them with manna. That, that's all, that, that works. But Moses went ahead to understand the ways, why God did what he had to do. Amen. And that happens based on relationship. And as Christians, if we want to come to a place where we will have unshakable faith, we have to know the ways of God, not just the works. The works sometimes doesn't really build strong Christians. Because it would, the children of Israel, with everything that they had seen, they should have been strong in their faith. They should have been unshakable. But these people, even scripture lets us know they even died. They died out of unbelief. They died out of complaints. They died out of disobedience. They died out of rebellion, even though they were privy to the works of God. I believe when we come to the place where we are privy to the ways of God, it's much better. Amen. And the ways of God can be found in the Bible. Anybody can experience the works of God. Unbelievers experience the works of God. The Bible says the Lord causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. You know the, the works, of, works of God. That's the work of God. But you have to come further than knowing the works of God to understanding His ways. And the ways can be found in the Bible. That's why the Bible says that His ways are not our ways. Neither are our thoughts His thoughts. But his thoughts and his ways can be found here in the Bible. Amen. So that's where you can find the ways and the thoughts of God. And we, we as Christians, we have to learn how to acquaint ourselves with the Bible, which we will know his ways and his will. Amen. God's ways and his will are one. Amen. Exodus chapter 32 verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Make us gods, we shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. Amen. So like I said, with all the miracles, with all the works that the children of Israel saw, they still went into idolatry. So one thing that separated Moses and the children of Israel was Moses knew the ways of God. The children of Israel knew the works of God. And if you want to build a sustainable relationship with God this year, 
you have to graduate from just knowing his works to knowing his ways. Amen. Now, look at those who heard the voice of God behaving as if they knew nothing about God. Moses knew God beyond miracles. So look at Exodus chapter 33, verse 7 to 11. And Moses took the tabernacle, pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was over the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle, that all the people, all the people rose, stood every man at his tent door, and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped every man his tent door. And the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again unto the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young one, departed not out of the tabernacle. So, as the people who were acquainted with the works of God had a God that they were worshipping, in fact, they had descended into idolatry. Moses, on the other hand, was far away getting to know God. And the Bible lets us know that God spoke to him face to face just as a man talks with his friend. Amen. So the Israelites went into great sin because knowing the works of God is not sustainable enough for your faith work with God. You have to move from knowing the works of God, being a candidate of the works of God, to knowing the ways of God. And that's a depth of relationship we all have to enter in. Amen. If we are going to come to a place where we are going to build a viable faith work with God, we have to understand the ways of God. Amen. So today, this all that time will permit me to uh, go through. In fact, if you read the book, it, went, it, it goes through many more um, examples. But today, we've learned of Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and Moses. This all time will permit me. But like I said, if you read the book, there are many more examples. Amen. So we looked at Enoch. Enoch did not see death. He didn't see death. He was snatched out of the wicked world and out of the impending judgment and doom that was to befall the earth because he pursued God. And that is success in itself. We looked at Noah. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. There is something about pursuing God. When you pursue God, you will preach and encourage people to go after Christ. So in this year of pursuing Christ, the, the offshoots or the effects that will come out of pursuing Christ is that it will become like fire in your bones. And when it's like fire in your bones, you have to share it with somebody. 
just like one of the prophets of the old said, it's like fire shut up my bones. That's a, you, you have developed that relationship with God by pursuing after him. Noah couldn't keep quiet. He preached. Enoch, on the other hand, according to Jude, the Bible lets us know he preached. He told them, look, the Lord is coming again with 10,000 of his saints. That's what perhaps encouraged Enoch to live spotless in a world of wickedness. Right? We've learned about Abraham. Abraham left the familiar. He left everything that made him comfortable just to follow hard after God. Just to follow hard after God. To the point that God did not even see fit to hide his plans from Abraham. May you be exposed to the manifold plans of God this year as a result of relationship. And then we've looked at Moses. Moses had a unique relationship. He built a deeper depth of relationship with God because he came to understand the ways of God and familiarize himself with the works of God. Christian brother or sister, don't be too familiar with the works of God. It, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't build roots in your, in your relationship with God. Strive to know the ways of God. Strive to know the ways of God. And you can know the ways of God through the Bible. God's ways and will is in the Bible. So the more you read the Bible, acquaint yourself with his ways. That's how you'll be able to build a viable and a sustainable faith to keep on walking in this journey of faith. Amen. So four people we've learned today. We've learned about Noah. We've learned about Enoch. We've learned about Abraham. We've learned about Moses. And these people, we will deem them successful. Why? Because the Lord will serve them. So please reorient your definition of success. Just like we read from Genesis chapter 39. A successful person is not one who has acquired material goods. A successful person in the eyes of the Lord is one who has gone hard after the Lord and who has experienced the Lord's presence with him. Amen. It's eight o'clock. I'm sorry I can't allow contributions or questions, so we'll close here. But please just stick a pen uh, on your notes or, or whatever you are doing there and, and just note down some salient points if you have a question. And next week, I'll give you an opportunity to ask all that. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Bless your holy name. Thank you for what we have received. We've received the instruction tonight, O oh Lord, to follow hard after you and to follow after the example of success. And Father, we thank you that as we build a relationship with you, which will be sustainable and viable, may we also be privy to your ways. May we be preachers of righteousness. May we experience a deeper relationship with you that you will not be abstract and analyzed, but you will be real 
May we see you as a friend because we will have deeper depths of communication and, and deeper levels of relationship with you from today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you guys. God willing, I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, our fasting and prayer week schedule, Tuesdays we are not praying. So please put that in your calendar. Tuesdays we are not praying. So we are praying Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays because Wednesday we'll have our midweek Bible study. So we are praying Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Uh, we will not pray on Saturday and then Sunday we'll have church service. So please note our prayer and fasting schedule. So Mondays, Thursdays, Fridays, we pray. Tuesdays, we don't meet. Wednesdays, we have midweek Bible study. And Sunday, we'll have service. Okay? So please note that in your calendars. So God bless you all. I'll see you tomorrow at prayer meeting, 7 p.m. Good night.